hello. Welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. Today we're going to talk a little bit about Boku no Hero Academia, but before we do that, Buddy, why don't you the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? <laughs> on this podcast, we like to talk about games and movies, and I guess today is our inaugural anime yeah, I mean, we, we watched uh, Ghost in the Shell and uh, and the Death Note, but those were live action, so it technically doesn't count. Yeah, yeah. This 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 is front to back anime, even though I I'm absolutely going to end up referencing a million things that are not anime. Um, but yeah, so Boku no Hero Academia just ended its third season. Uh, we watched everything, so all sixty three episodes. I haven't watched the movie. Have you watched the movie? I have, I have not watched the movie. Okay, um, so not quite everything, but... Yeah, and uh, then we also, like, I watched mostly dubs, except for the last three episodes, I think, or four episodes, which were subs only for me. And uh, you watch mostly subs. I, I watch entirely subs. I've watched okay. a couple clips with dubs, um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a generally a subs person, uh, if only because that's the, it tends to come out faster when I'm actively watching a series. Is there um, is there anything we want to do before a spoiler warning? Um, <laughs> I mean, I think Boku no Hero Academia is like a good show. I guess I would definitely recommend it to people. Yeah, I have a lot of criticisms, and I'm probably going to be very mean to it over the course of this episode. Uh, and I'm sure that I'm going to receive plenty of flack from uh, <laughs> from fans. The audience. Yeah, because uh, I don't know how clear my criticisms will be. Uh, yeah, well, we'll, uh, I guess we'll get into that. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely adore the show. Um, I don't know, I kind of like to describe it as, like, a good Naruto. I will throw shade at Naruto so that we can both get some shade, um, thrown back at us. But, uh, other than that, I, I think it's time to, to dive into spoiler territory. Um, uh, spoilers from here on out for, uh, Boku no Hero Academia, or My Hero Academia, or My Hero Academy, or, uh, whatever <laughs> you... You call I, it? I actually had a friend of mine who got very angry about calling it Boku no Hero Academia because apparently the creator, whoever that is, um, that was the reason that he named it like My Hero Academia, and it is like and the the name is like anglicized already, sort of thing. Um, was to be like appealing to kind of like Western audiences in a way that you know I don't know some of the uh, some of the other kind of like hardcore. Uh, for Japanese eyes only anime aren't or whatever and so the idea that we were all sitting around calling it Boku no Hero Academia is actually more off-putting than just calling it what he intended us to call it in My Hero Academia. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm, I actually kind of like the convention of calling um, it Boku no Hero Academia when you're referring to the subs and My Hero Academia when you're referring to the dubs. Um, well, that's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's also that that great uh, there's like a, a alignment chart for what you call it, uh, and my favorites are uh, Green Naruto and uh, Macadamia. So you know, occasionally I go with yeah. those. <laughs> um, I'll try and put a link to that in the description. Um, so I know you've got a lot to to do, especially concerning what like Young Justice is, what you always compare it to. So yeah, so young, yeah, my my basic thesis with this, and what I actually find very interesting about the show is how dated it feels to me because i am a like wells kind of like like i have watched this show a hundred times except it's always been western animation right um 
And the thing I, co I keep preparing, comparing it to is Young Justice just because it's kind of like the most recent of these. But that's actually not a super fair comparison. Like, I think Young Justice is a better show. Um, I'll just kind of like front load that um but i think it's a better show because it is in the same way that i've talked about some other stuff before like it's standing on the shoulders of giants right like this is a a an archetype of show kind of like you know um a teenage uh superhero show this is an archetype of show that has 20 years of history in the united states right and in mainstream western animation right and, and beyond that it has right it has 60 years of history in mainstream american comic books which like take influence from that because and because it, it's not just young justice right it is spectacular spider-man it's x-men evolution it's static shock it's going all the way back to you know batman the animated series the new superman show the justice league justice league unlimited right like all of these shows you just kind of go all the way back so uh, something like young justice kind of gets to be better because it has that groundwork already laid for it whereas boku no hero academia is clearly introducing a lot of these sort of american superhero concepts to a japanese audience in a way um and mixing it up and then and then kind of like putting it in like a mixing bowl with just kind of like typical shonen anime tropes right yeah i, I was gonna say you, you talk about um you, you talk about uh, uh it did you know the, it having a long, long history in america but shonen anime and manga have have also have a, a super long history and i think this is a very excellent shonen manga or uh shonen anime and i think that that kind of um, it hits that cross point in a in a in a weird in in a, in a different way, which I think is is good yeah. for it, right? I think that I think partially that's why it's resonating so well with Western audiences as well, because um, uh, you know I know a lot of people who who watch this, even though like you know, typical the, the typical weebs uh, as I would call them sometimes turn, tend to turn their nose up at the uh, more mainstream stuff that comes out. Oh, really? Um, at least in my experience, right? It's it's okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, I do think that it is a show that if you are, shall I say, gaijin, uh, is easier to kind of like walk into. I don't like. I had a much easier time watching this show, obviously, than something like Attack on Titan, which I also like. I mean, I think Attack on Titan is really good, um, but that is much more. I don't know. It's a, it's a lot less accessible, I suppose. I would say. Yeah. Um. I. Don't know. I <laughs> I think I feel like Attack on Titan's accessibility issues aren't um, precisely the the fault of the uh, how do I want to put this? They're not precisely the fault of the of of the the show itself, um, but they're the fault of or rather how do I put this? It's not the fault of the genre; it's the fault of the the show being a little bit more complex than your typical kind of show in the, in, in the genre. If that makes sense, you know that's that's fair. I don't watch. I obviously don't watch a lot of anime. I mean, I have watched a lot of anime, like, as a kid. This is this is the, the other kind of thing, like, you know, like, I, yeah, I've watched all of Dragon Ball Z front to back. So a lot of this stuff is very, um, you know, a lot of this stuff keys into that sort of, like, lock in my mind. Or any of the, you know, Yu-Gi-Oh! or Zoids or whatever else, kind of, um, any of those, like, Toonami 
anime that that I watched as a kid. Um, so I do have, I feel like I do have a pretty good basis for these sorts of things. Uh, but the big, the big comparison point for me has been Young Justice for the majority of my time watching Boku no Hero Academia. Just because Young Justice is on my mind. I actually, I had to end up going back and just watching it because it just kept reminding me of it. And it, and also has a similar sort of plot structure because Young Justice is about, um, is also about, you know, kind of an ensemble of young heroes who are learning from professional, you know, grown-up heroes, um, and, and trying to kind of, like, be better, um, and learn stuff and, and be good, though Young Justice doesn't quite have a school format, um, so it is, it is a little bit... Yeah, I, I think that school like that. format, I, I think some of the things that make, that make Boku no Hero Academia special are kind of the exploration, um, and the deconstruction of kind of the superhero genre in a way, right, like... Um, maybe it's very Japanese, um, but to my eyes, it feels very just deconstructionist in that. Like, it's like, you know, um, I can't mention a previous episode. It feels like the tippy verse for, uh, uh, for, you know, superheroes, right? Like it, there's yeah. a lot of thought gone into like how the world changes around a, a, a world where, where, where being a superhero isn't, isn't only like a thing that's like, uh, or like, you know, interacting with superheroes isn't, isn't only, uh, not particularly rare but it's very common in like what is it like 80 percent of the population has well I think, powers. I think the most interesting piece of that is how uh kind of communalized and collectivized superheroes are in in this japanese society like yeah you need a license and registration right where in uh western animation about superheroes that is always a huge deal right i mean civil war is practically an entire comic about how that is a fundamentally bad idea and we shouldn't force our superheroes to do that and that you know superheroes being free so that they can kind of save people whatever they want is like the right sort of approach to things justice league unlimited has a whole series about how you know the justice league puts a satellite into space and is teleporting everywhere with it and they also have this orbital laser kind of from it and so the government is creating clone superheroes in cadmus and excuse me in order to kind of like undermine the power of like superman and stuff because they don't trust that superman will always be you know will always kind of be around there's a lot more um there's a lot more skepticism towards uh like the government and governmental systems in western stuff than in the the like the japanese portrayal of uh these superheroes which i thought was very interesting sure i mean i think part of that too is that um you know in in even in like the these these things you're talking about superheroes aren't so prevalent right like like i said it's like i think it's something like 80 percent of the population gets a power in in uh yeah yeah, yeah. in bnh and, and, and you know I not mean, everybody's a practicing like hero right hmm? the mutants are um like a persecuted minority right? yeah so um uh, whereas they're like in, a, in, in an embraced way of life in in, in bnh so much so like the, I, I like a lot of these little details right like the fact that the the top school not only has a hero course but has a support course for like the people who like build gear um, and like a, a business course, and uh, we also see like there's there's like professional victims that hire themselves out for for training purposes, um, and all that jazz. In fact, it, it seems like it's <laughs> that the society's so built around the quirks, um, as they call them, that if it, it it feels it feels weird that like, um, like obviously there's a lot of normal stuff that happens that you see in the background. Like that's kind of like the uh, background for um, 
what's it? Uhara, I think is her name. The the, the female lead. Um, yeah, Uraraka. Yeah, Uraraka. Um, and uh, uh, and but like if like we we never that's the only part that like maybe. I would like to see just a little bit more, so it feels less like every every aspect of the show seems to be some some part of of uh, the superhero universe, basically that consumes it, and uh, and uh, and not a lot of and, and such deep exploration that we don't really see a lot of like who they're actually serving, right? Like if you only watch the show, or like if if you didn't think about it, you'd think that like this entire world was just like heroes saving other heroes, which is clearly not the case. Yeah. Anyway, I don't really know where else to like. Where do you like? Where do you want to start? I think season one is bad. I guess should we just start at the beginning? Oh yeah, let's just start at the beginning. Um, (laughs) And it's uh, mostly bad, I think, for shonen anime reasons. And uh, I think it's uh, good uh, because it takes too long. Takes for fucking forever. I mean, it takes it takes a while, but it's it's all about building up the characters in a way that like you don't have like you know you don't have any sort of cultural recognition of of these characters in any way, right? Like in in a typical superhero show, you're at least familiar with who the characters are. You don't have to establish anything about them, um, or rather, you oh, can... I don't think that's true. I just think that you can be efficient with your time in a way. I think like typically, what happens in like the Western animation show is you'll get a two-parter to start off a show like batman beyond does this x-men evolution does this you'll kind of capstone a season with a two-parter and then you'll begin a season with a two-parter and a two-parter will typically do everything that the first 13 episodes of boku no hero academia does but in 45 minutes rather than in however much time like i was going i was going fucking insane by like episode five he wasn't even in the or like the, at the beginning of episode five is right when he got admitted to the school and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? You know, like the first four episodes, he doesn't have, like he doesn't even have powers. I also think that Deku sucks in the beginning, mostly just because like he keeps whining and crying and not doing things. I mean, the the, really the point is he does do things, right? Like he does more than anybody else is willing to do when everybody else is kind of like standing down and being held back by bureaucracy. He runs in and saves and saves Bakugo. Um, or at least, you know, like causes an opening and it inspires all my, and that, that's why all my decides to pass, uh, one for all onto him. Yeah. I mean, I guess I just felt like you could have done that way faster. I, I actually have a that's lot of all in the, issues. That's all in like the first episode, isn't it? No, that's what? No, that's like the first three episodes. I think at the end of the second episode, he gets... All Might says he's going to give him the power, and then the third episode is him training. Gets it, yeah, yeah, and it's, it's him training so he can so he can take the entrance exam. Um, yeah, so the fir- the first yeah the first episode is 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 why he's not qualified to be a superhero. Second episode is is him uh, gaining the power. I don't know. I don't. That doesn't feel that slow to me. It feels like it was appropriate character I see, I, So. I actually also think that uh, this is actually like an interesting sort of media adaptation thing. I have a lot of problems with the pacing of Boku no Hero Academia, and I think it comes specifically from the way that like manga gets adapted in Japan. And uh, okay, this is this is like okay. So um, if you're like a longtime reader of comics, uh, the it, fight scenes in comics are actually harder to do than in animation because they are typically like wordless and there's not a lot of text right and the problem is is if you have a textless fight scene people just you know 
look at an image, turn the page, look at an image, turn the page kind of thing, right? They just kind of breeze through it. And so what you do in order to pace a comic or manga is you put text on this on the page to slow a person down and get them to to take that fight scene at a normal pace, right? Um, and typically the way that this represents itself, excuse me, is in voiceover, right? You have an internal monologue or something where somebody is is kind of direct is is talking directly to the reader or the audience or whatever, um, and narrating. And there is th and there is definitely that in I can tell that there's that in the in the manga, and there's definitely that in a lot of like you know even Western comics do this all the time, right? Because you just need to th you need you need to slow people down, otherwise they're just going to breeze through your comic and fi find it really unfulfilling or whatever, right? The problem I find is that in when you adapt manga to an anime, um, it it feels like they do this thing where they also adapt in that voiceover, which I think is bad because it is slowing down the pacing of these fights when it shouldn't be. Like well, the I, fights I, I, can. I, I, I see your point. Um, and I, I don't know, I don't think I agree with you. And I, I think part of this too is that like, um, Bakugo, unlike, not Bakugo, uh, Deku, unlike most of, um, uh, most kind of, of these protagonists is the tactician kind of archetype, right? Like he, that's Armin in, uh, in, uh, Attack on Titan or like, um, uh, Shikamaru in Naruto. And in order for those characters to really fully realize you need those moments because the, the draw of their characters is partially their like tactical analysis, um, I mean, sure, and you don't but really... it, it happens with everybody. I think it happens all the time in this show. I think it, I think it happens less with other characters, mostly because you don't go inside most other characters' heads during the fights. Um, uh, but like, I, I think that's like a big part. Of, I think that's a, that's a big part of, of what makes this show like special is that like most characters are at least a little bit smart, um, as opposed like you know Bakugo is the prime example of this, um, and. Like uh, and Deku is 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 the tactician, right? He's usually the side character that like explains things off on the sidelines while the fight is happening. But he's he's the actual main character, which is a very different thing about this show, um, and that requires kind of a little bit of that introspection because that's like that's what like lets him get a leg up in a lot of situations is is his kind of like obsessive note taking and ability to kind of analyze situations, uh, in, in a rational way and. And, uh, See, I feel like it happens more than just with Deku. It definitely happens with Deku, and I appreciate it when it is sort of like tactical to a certain extent. Like I think that that is interesting, um, but I think that there are plenty of times when it's not, and they they take a moment and then they stretch it a bunch um, in order to insert the, this internal monologue. Because like, so when you're in an active audiovisual medium, right, you don't need to slow down the pacing like that and in fact it actually slows down the pacing a lot because what you have to do is you have to essentially pause the action on screen except it's not actually paused it typically just goes into slow like, motion for slow motion yeah so that someone can have a voiceover and explain what they're doing to the audience and i think that that's that's not i think that that's not good and that that contributes to a lot of my pacing issues with Pokemon Hero Academia, and in fact, I think that that's something it inherits kind of from shonen anime because this is, it's kind of the equivalent of in Dragon Ball Z, you know, 
they exchange a couple of blows and then it's just like a still on Goku's face as his mind is racing and he's like this is the hardest person I've ever fought or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. it is you know like that kind of thing I, I would I would concede that Boku no Hero Academia is better about this than something like Dragon Ball Z where that stuff isn't quite like just absolute dead weight there is value in it I would definitely say but it is value at the expense of plot and at the expense of kind of the excitement of you know uh of the scenes um and just as just as often as it was like a hype building thing or something where you were like oh my god how is you know i don't know how is all might gonna defeat the nomu how is all might gonna defeat all in one how is you know bakugo going to get out of this one or whatever you know like whatever the situation sort of is um it was also just why am i why are we wasting our time with this you know like why are we pulling this moment apart when we could just be moving i'm i'm i can get it i see what's going on you don't have to explain it to me like i don't know i i i didn't feel that i i also didn't have have these pacing problems that you did maybe you're just impatient buddy you're 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 a impatient american that can't appreciate of anime i think a lot of anime does this yeah because it happens in attack on titan just as often yeah and and all i i'm it also like, you know, I feel like a lot of things that would be like an episode in a Western cartoon um, are like five to six episode arcs in in animes. Um, and, yeah, no, uh, no, and I I super feel that, and it's part of what makes it so like frustrating. To be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's maybe part of the draw to like to to the people that enjoy anime over Western animation that like it it feels uh what's, how do I want to put this like meteor maybe. Um, because there's so much time given to, to all of these, all these pieces. Um, I, I know I enjoy that. That's, I don't know. You, you say you don't watch much anime and maybe, maybe this is part of it, right? Maybe you just don't like the kind of, uh, the, the, uh, how do I want to put the, 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 the kind of like, uh, the, the, the long gaze that, that, that goes on because of the, of the style. And I don't think that there's, you know, any, obviously anything wrong with that. It's just, um, it's probably just a preference thing at that point. I mean, I think there is, uh, it always feels cheap to me, like cliffhangers and stuff like that, um, and it feels to me sometimes like, I don't know, there are just episodes of this that kind of begin in the middle and end in the middle and have no structure, and that's bad, um, you know, especially around kind of like bigger you know, elongated fights or whatever, like those, those couple of fights, um, at the, at the end of season one and kind of, I guess, you know, in the middle of season two or whatever, anytime that there's like a big multi-episode fight scene, a lot of the time I feel as though that doesn't, there, I don't know. I guess I think episodes should have like a structure. They should have a beginning, a middle, and an end, even if they are part of like a larger, wider arc, right? They should establish things for later, right? And they should, um, and they should fit into a season-long arc or even half-season arcs or kind of like whatever the case may be or whatever. Um, but I get frustrated when uh, an episode kind of begins in the middle of the action and then that action is exactly the you know like because it's just like it's like they've taken a they've it's like a they've taken a movie and split it up into like 18 minute chunks yeah you know no I, mean? 
I, I feel that. I just, I also feel that, like, Boku to Hero Academia is pretty good about, like, at least resolving, like, a minor battle within each. Like... It is probably pretty good at it, because there are a lot of the times where it will end on a cliffhanger, you know, oh, Kane, you're supposed to get civilians up, oh, here's Gang Orca, he's he's the villain right. guy, you gotta fight him next time, you know, so that, like, you know, that sort of stuff. Well, the, the, um, and that's especially kind of... around... Uh, I guess especially around season three, I felt like it was better about that. That first fight, I felt like was not very good. See, I, I, I'm going to disagree because I, I think that like you know like the f- All Might's fight with with Nomu, I think all resolves within the same episode, right? Like each like that the whole fight in the training facility takes a couple of episodes, uh, a yeah. handful of episodes, but like each individual sub battle is resolved within its own episode. And, like maybe it's teased the end of the the previous episode, but like you know like. The, the thing where Froppy, uh, Deku, and Mineta, uh, Mineta need to deal with the, all the sea villains, like, that all is 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 uh, dealt with in the span of that episode. Um, and so, like, I I, yeah. I, I I get your point, but I think that, that uh, Boku no Hero Academia is actually pretty good at, at making sure at least a conflict gets res- Like, it, it's not like, you know, Dragon Ball where he charges up for four episodes. Um, it just kind of, like... Piece, piecing the battle out over over four like the, the entirety of, of of the fight over four or five episodes. Do I agree with that? I don't know. That's rough. I kind of. I guess it's yeah, definitely. No. I like it. Sure. Okay. Fine. It's definitely better than Dragon Ball Z. But I feel like Dragon sure. Ball Z or like Naruto or what you know like whatever of these kind of. I guess I would call them trashier, even if I like we, whatever we all thought that they were great or we all do think they are great. Um, uh, it's better than those, but how by by how much is kind of like questionable. Sure. Yeah, I know. Um, um, so uh, and I definitely and, I, and so I definitely feel like it kind of like fails that it fails that a little bit. Though, um, uh, I, I guess I don't want to get like too wrapped up in this. Um, so so yeah, so like those are that that like that's kind of like those are my big criticisms of of Boku no Hero Academia. I also think Deku sucks in the first season and gets good in seasons two and three. I think that's um, the point. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, maybe. Uh, I think uh, specifically he just needs the problem with the first season is that it takes so long to get to the other classmates. Um, and even sure. when you do get to the other classmates, they don't really get like fleshed out and create any dynamics among themselves really until season two. Um, so it's kind of like having, you know, the first, this is actually a bad example because the first 50 pages of Lord of the Rings is literally just about Frodo. Um, but like a lot, but you know, a lot of the times you have this kind of normal quote unquote character, uh, like Deku is a very pretty straightforward character. There's not a lot going on. I don't think he's incredibly interesting, but that's kind of the point because he's Frodo. He's Winnie the Pooh, right? He is just kind of anchoring the ensemble and all of the interesting characters sort of rotate around him. Um, and so that's why part of the problem with that first season is that it takes so long to get to these people. Uh, obviously, you get Bakugo right off the bat. Um, but until you have Todoroki and Yaoyorozu and Uraraka and Ida, right, to, like, kind of really, you know, here here are, the, here are like, the interesting personalities with a lot of texture. Um, when, when, when you get into that, I, that's when I feel like the show is like, all right, I'm on board. Let's do this, right? Kirishima is this guy. And you know, Mineta is this guy, even though Mineta is the worst. And yeah, no, I'll, I'll, boy, he's gross. But he I, he's supposed to be right. Like, no, I I know. I just think I think this is just like a. I don't think Japan has had the same kind of like 
cultural awakening that the United that the United States has had in the past I don't know 10 15 years but that like pervy stuff I just find incredibly off-putting like you know I, I was like oh get it out of here I can't deal with it sometimes yeah no and and, and, and I, I I get that and like like Mineta is supposed to be the worst but I, I do yeah. like you know and so I appreciate he, that he gets called out on it yeah um, you know and then but, but he, he also you know, gets partially validated on it Right, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you and, know, it's like uh, I, I guess wanting to get women is a valid excuse to be a superhero or something. Um, uh, yeah, which... and it's just oh god, I don't know. <laughs> that was every time that happened, I was just like, I felt like I was watching like Revenge of the Nerds or something. You sure, know? it's like something from like the eighties that we all thought was like kind of like funny, but now when we look back on it with like a modern understanding of you know. I don't know, like, consent and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Just like, oh, God, this is, like, gross. And so Mineta doing stuff like the pool, the pool one is the one that I was just like, oh, gross. Like, they go through this whole thing to try and, you know, to try and trick themselves into getting into the pool with the um, with the female students uh, so that they can, like, ogle them or whatever. I was just like, God damn it, why? Yeah, um, I'm... I mean, I don't know. I like I, I get that, and I get that, it, that that it's gross, but it is also kind of like an accurate representation of a lot of teenage boys, right? Like, yeah, I guess so. Um, um, um I'm not saying I don't, I don't like him. I like he, he's, he's a character that's built to be hated, right? And like to yeah, be, yeah, like, yeah. I think that's that's very true. And like um, you know, occasionally have like his moments of glory when you don't expect it. Also, fun fact: according to like one of the official guys, he's canonically like the smartest character. Um, really. Uh, this isn't, this isn't like, uh, it's like, there's like a guide with like, you know, like number ratings on each of like the stats on the heroes and, and like, it's like, ah, scale five and Meta's the only five, uh, intelligence character. Like Deku's at like a four, um, which is weird. Cause like you, you, again, given that Deku is a tactician character, you would expect him to have the highest intelligence statue. But I feel like they had to give something to Mineta. Like, I feel like most of the heroes, like a lot of their stuff makes sense in like in kind of like a, a way, but like Mineta all feels like he's got he's shoehorned in somehow because like his power isn't like super useful, um, you know, on on face, and he has to be very creative with it. And he he's not like super creative with it in the beginning, right? Like it's not this like this is actually something. Yeah, this is actually something that I find interesting slash kind of like fridge logicy about anime like this. Because um, a lot of the times they do frame themselves around like, oh, UA is, is the is the most prestigious institution. You have to be the best of the best in order to get to UA kind of thing. But then, like, then when you actually get there, it's a very typical classroom, right? Um, because I think that they want to, you know, they don't want to make this a best of the best institution, really, right? They want it to be a very normal kind of classroom, really, so that, like, if you are a Japanese school kid, you would be like, oh, that looks just like my school, sure, you know sure. what I mean? Um, and so I frequently think about how, like, how the fuck did did some of these people make it into, like the top school ever right like hiroshima or whatever the electricity guy's name is um well the th- you know like well that's all that entrance exam right like um which i think i, th- I think is kind of like the big thing for for most of them is that like there are parts where like they did exceptionally well like um you know like you like the electricity guy like it makes sense that he would be able to defeat a bunch of things and thus place well on the practical um and he's only like really stupid when he's overcharged himself um 
even though he's not. No, like, I mean, I think I think the show depicts him as kind of like baseline stupid, right? Because because he fa- you know, like he fails one of the other exams or whatever, like along with like a couple of people. Sure, sure, and like, but like, I don't know, like you know, maybe this is just me being something of a and like elitist or something. But I do know what it feels like to go for like a best of the best kind of institution, and uh, and I do think that it it produces a different dynamic than just your typical, you know, your typical high school kind of your typical school and classroom or whatever sure um, um but you all like i don't know I, I think the other half of that is it's like it's also like going for the best of the best kind of football team uh which is also different um i don't know i i like i i feel that like i feel like that's like also a part of like they they, they kind of explicitly criticize it in um in the tournament right the 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 mind control guy that deku goes against uh, in like the first round, and almost loses. Oh two. yeah, he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, you know, I don't have a quirk that's really good for the practical. So what, what can I do? Yeah, or like that. Somebody, somebody in like one of the upper, like the teachers' comments that that's the case, and maybe like you know, this is why the practical isn't great. Um, uh, which I think is it's it's neat, right? Like obviously he's he, we we see him at the end of the third season, and he's bulked up, and he's uh, you know. He's ready to go, and he's in the superhero class, which I think I, th- I think is cool. I think that's I, I really do appreciate these kind of like um, this attention to like I feel like a lot of side characters in these types of animes just kind of get tossed to the side and like forgotten about uh, for right. a while. But like I, I do appreciate they're, they're continuously going like the, the cast keeps expanding, but they still keep paying them like a, a enough attention that it that it feels weighty, even if like the main like there's like the main five, but we barely saw them in like the last. Two or who, three who episodes, are, right? Who are the main five? Um, Deku, Uraka, Ida, Bakugo, Todoroki. I'm just uh, guessing. Yeah, yeah. Deku, Bakugo, Uraka, Ida, Todoroki, and then I guess All Might counts as well, um, uh, because you know he's he's um, he's kind of like the tie, the the, the fourth that's the, the ties it all together. What, what do you think of All Might? Because he's he's very clearly supposed to be like you know a larger than life character that like. Mm-hmm. Really, I like All Might a lot. I yeah. think All Might is great. All Might is voiced in the dub by Christopher Sabat, who voices Vegeta in Dragon Ball Z, um, which I love, and he's great. And I know I'm supposed to love like the English. Um, uh, well, it's not. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, the English. You're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Th- 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 this is what a, a friend of the Oklahoma friend of the pod, Akshay, uh, said that I should watch the dub so that I could get I could fall in love with uh, with All Might's English. And I do. I definitely do appreciate All Might's voice. In the subs, just because it is so clearly a, um, I like I almost think it's it's like a parody, but it's like a very like heartfelt parody, yeah, yeah, in a way of the kind of very typical. Like he is supposed to be like a a Superman, um, and a, and an like an Americanized kind of like character and point of view sort of thing. Uh, but I like All Might a lot. I think All Might is is complex and he's interesting. Um, I think he is basic in a lot of ways um, and doesn't have um, like, I think the archetype is Superman, but also a very uncomplex Superman in a lot of ways. Um, And where, and, and his relationship with Deku is very straightforward. Sure. um, Which is, you know, which is fine. They execute on like all of the plot points and everything like that. But I guess I just find it sort of like, in a lot of ways, predictable. Um, sure. Because and, and I and I which I think is natural, just because I think that this is like this is sort of a first, right? 
Um, this is a lot of the relationship between the, you know, Batman and Robin in the animated, in the Batman the Animated Series, which was, like, the first of these superhero shows to really, like, make it big or whatever, and that, um, you know, that that's kind of just, like, you know, like, like that's kind of normal, and I have grown, as a viewer, I have grown out of the simplicity of this relationship more than the simplicity of that relationship um has is is bad if that makes sense yeah i, I um, feel i feel that um i I, de- I definitely get what you're going for i also think that like i don't know, like obviously there's the, the trend in, in american media is to make the heroes either a little bit more sarcastic or a little bit more uh, uh you know gritty right like in, in in the dc type stuff um and like obviously they're they're they're, they're much more bright in in this show especially like i don't think the morality of the show is is in complex I think the morality of All Might is because he's supposed to be the, like, I don't think this show would work as well if All Might wasn't as kind of like the Boy Scout that he is, right? Like, he, he is... No, sure, 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 yeah, yeah. The, but the, you know, the, the the relationship he has with, with Deku is very straightforward and uncomplex. Uh, sure. Interestingly, like, like the, re- the relationship he has with other characters, um, like Bakugo, uh, obviously comes to a head at, about season three, though I have some, I have some hot takes about season three and All Might and Bakugo. Um... And I think the, um, and I think that because we've been dealing with superheroes since the 40s in America, they are a much more, like, the relationship between a hero and a sidekick is a lot more complex just because of time. You can't kind of get away with uh, sort of that straightforward, uncomplex relationship. But this is, I think this is something new for Japanese audiences, right? Um, And in a lot of ways, new for anime audiences, even in other kind of like, quote unquote, superhero anime, right? Like Japanese, like Japanese culture has a rich tradition of superhero shows, but they are superhero shows in the vein of Power Rangers. Um, And so a lot of the, you know, sidekicks and these, you know, villains and fighting crime and all of that kind of stuff is specifically like Americanized in Boku no Hero Academia, which is why, which is sort of why I think that it's an unfair comparison to compare to like Young Justice, right? Young Justice deconstructs this actually because Superboy is a main character and he is off put by Superman's relation. Like Superman gets cloned. That's, that is the, that is the origin of Superboy, right? And Superman doesn't become a mentor figure. He has no idea what to do with the fact that a government body was cloning him against his will. And he's kind of put out and disgusted by Superboy. And that is something that reflects poorly on Superboy, who has a tough time dealing with the fact that the person who is ostensibly his father uh, is so unwilling to kind of, like, deal with him or whatever. So I think that there's a lot more complexity in that kind of a relationship, right? But I think you can only earn that complexity because we have seen, you know, however many years of an uncomplex relationship between Batman and Robin, Aquaman and Aqualad, Green Arrow and Speedy, any of the superhero sidekick relationships in sort of the same way that we see with All Might and Deku. Yeah, I, I, th- I think... Part of that might also be intentional, though. Like, it, it feels like that relationship's just supposed to be very straightforward um, mm. for, like, what I think is supposed to be kind of, like, homage reasons, right? Like, I, f- I feel like I feel like All Might's supposed to be, like, a 40s-era superhero in a lot of ways. No, that, that that's yeah. exactly what I mean. Yeah. I think he is kind of an introduction of that archetype, in a way, sure. to, to, to Japan. Um, even, like, even the fact that he is that is kind of also the point of, like, 
Superman is a lot more complex than people give him credit for, especially in these adaptations, right? Superman in Young Justice has a very weird relationship with with his clone, which gets a bunch of screen time. Um, Superman in Justice League is a paragon who's very stubborn and he believes he's always, you know, and he believes he's always right, but they, he gets put in these positions where he is definitively wrong. Um, and that creates an interesting dynamic between kind of like him and the team. Superman in his own show gets put in those kinds of situations um, all the time. And so like, and, and also in other versions of this, like there's a, there's a comic book called Invincible, which is a very good comic book, which is kind of um, its own superhero universe. And it's about the teenage son of essentially the Superman character in that universe. Well, the Superman character in that universe turns out to be, uh, you know, spoilers for for Invincible turns out to be a secret alien invader um, who is doing advanced recon scouting work, and uh, and then when he's activated by his alien overlords, murders the rest of the Justice League and tries to take over the planet or whatever. And in fact, and so I feel like a lot of the time the All Might character gets deconstructed, right? He's deconstructed by Dr. Manhattan in Watchmen. Um, there's another series called Astro City that has a character called the Samaritan. The, I think he's just called Samaritan, or maybe Good Samaritan, who is the Superman character um, who deals with the fact that he is fundamentally incapable of having a life because he o the only thing he can do is jet around the globe rescuing people. And there is no way that he can have an alter ego or anything along those lines because any moment he takes to sleep, somebody could be dying, right? There's a lot of these kinds of... There, there are a lot more complex relationships with this kind of character um, in in Western uh, like media and animation than in, than in Japan. And so I feel like this is the prototypical and archetypical, you know... Superman, all good character that is that is All Might, and I think that uh, I don't know. I think that's fine. I like I like All Might. Though my my hot take is that he should have died in his fight with All for One. Uh, so I, I I do want to kind of push back on like we'll, we'll get to that in a second because that is a very hot take. Um, but uh, I do want to push back a little bit on the idea that this show lacks those kinds of relationships because I think it clearly does. Right, you see that those kinds of more complex relationships in the relationship between Endeavor. And uh, his son, Todoroki. Definitely, definitely. And, um, Speci I'm specifically mean around yeah, All Might. Yeah. Right. I mean, but you, you, made this, you made this point. This is like, for some reason, like a, 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 a Japanese culture that is un, unfamiliar maybe with the uh, uh, with, with, with the trope. But I, I think they are. And they, they just express those kind of more complex relationships like like Endeavor, like, um, like you know, the best genus with Bakugo, even though that's short. Um uh, uh, with even all for one with with Shigaraki, I think is is is, is pretty rocky. Uh, yeah, I see. I think those are all. Con see, I would be willing to. There isn't a normal relationship in Young Justice. The normal relationship is kind of implied by all of the other media that you walk okay. into the show with. But there is a normal relationship, like the first kind of mentor kid mentor sidekick relationship we get is with All Might and Deku sure. and that is well established by the time that they start riffing on it and I think that stuff like Todoroki um, and his father um, and stuff like Bakugo and Best Genist um, are reflections of the All Might Deku relationship more than they are. You, you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, although like, we do also we, we very early get um, Eraserhead with, uh, uh, with, with kind of the class um, yeah. I, 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 I love Eraserhead. Yeah. I think Eraserhead is fucking great. 
yeah, no, he's he's. Uh, so, who are your, your your favorite characters? Kind of overall, I'm, I'm curious. Okay, so my number one favorite character is Bakugo because he is the best. <laughs> he's so cool. Um, I also like Todoroki a lot. Um, I like Yaoyorozu a lot, though I don't like the fan service inherent in her character. Um, and uh, and I so, and I guess I like Kirishima just because he comes with like the Bakugo package. That's like my big four. Okay. I would say. Um, and then for like the adults, I love Eraserhead. I love All Might um best genus was great um so so yeah i let the, the those are those are my feelings those are my characters yeah no i'm i'm a big Ida fan i'm a big froppy fan um i would be a big froppy fan <laughs> that makes so much sense i also know you're a big Ida fan <laughs> yeah no i mean uh, i mean i i'm kind of a big deku fan just because like i like the tactician characters and he's like the best kind of um, implementation of that in the show, although I'm I'm less okay. O- I have to actually kind of criticize that a little bit because, boy, some of oh, I actually think that, that I I like Bakugo better as a tactician character because I like that he is a tactician that is paired with the hyper aggressive, kind of ruthless archetype, which very typically translates in sort of like shonen anime to being all emotion you know and he doesn't think through his fights and he, and he is never tactical i love that bakugo is always thinking tactically even as he is pairing that with like this in you know insanely high desire to win and to beat somebody down right which so that like that's that's i think an interesting sort of tactician character um i also think that some of the tactician aspects of Deku are... are you going to talk about the, the kicking thing? Because I, yeah, I will okay, agree with you on that. The kick thing is... Okay, so this is the kick thing. <laughs> they spent a whole episode on this. Yeah. They, they're, where they're, like, working on All for One, and, and Deku finds out, he's like, oh, no, I can't use my arms. And then and, and he's like, how am I... What am I going to do? How am I going to be a superhero? And then, and then All Might is like, you have to, you know, you're trying to be me. You have to think outside the box, Deku. And Deku's like, you're right. I do need to think outside the box. And by the end of the episode, like, the really clever idea that he came up with is to kick people instead of to punch them. Oh, my God. What? Like, I don't know. It was probably that it was framed like such a yeah. such a super clever epiphany. Like it was like, oh, I'm so smart. Nobody ever would have thought of this. How am I gonna do do things without my arms? I'll do them with my legs. That like made it so funny to me. I just burst out laughing. No, I, I thought that was so funny. I, I, I totally get that. I think I think a big part of that too is that like this is also the episode where we're seeing these other characters develop their ultimate moves, which are are pretty clever, right? Like um, yeah, yeah. Like uh, Baku goes, he's got he does the armor piercing one in that one, right? Or is it the bunch of little blasts? Mm-hmm. I forget which. Um, and then like, uh, what is it like? Ida starts to develop his like hyper kick a little bit more, um, which is yeah, I yeah. think a pretty clever application. Um, and like, um, uh, what, what, what? There's some other ones too, right? Where like we 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 kind of get like these actual clever applications of abilities. We see this also a little bit later, um, like with uh, with um. Uh, who's who's the new the, the 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 big three character like the the main the, you know all might two um you know the yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the well, guy and, who looks and like then there's also who's the guy with um fuck i can't remember his name 
with Dark Shadow where he like wears Dark Shadow. Yeah, that's yeah. an interesting application, right? It's not you know it's something that you don't necessarily think of, and you're like, oh wow, that's actually like very cool. Fucking yeah. Abyss Black, whatever it's called, and he's going to become a melee fight fighter instead of a whatever. Like yeah, I think I think that those are very interesting ultimate moves. But that the the capstone, the climax of the episode. Is Deku figuring out that his ultimate move is kicking people instead of punching them? I just, I lost it. I just couldn't. That was so funny. <laughs> um, I do want to point out that I do love the the uh, the relationship between uh, who is it? What's the red red riot? Uh, Kirishima and uh, what's the character's name? It's Tetsu, 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 the Steel Guy. Just the fact they're like basically the same. Oh people. yeah, they're the, they have the same powers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. I like Kirishima a lot, actually. Like, I like that Kirishima... I, I, I mean, I think that the best character in the series is Bakugo. And a lot of that comes from the subversion of the typical archetypes that this character sort of falls into. Yeah. Like, typically he's a loner, but in this one, no. Like, he does have his own friend group. Um, I think Kirishima's know, he, Kirishima. supposed to be the stand-in for, like, this, like the worst aspects of it because he's some like Kirishima sometimes does go over the top and doesn't think about what he's doing and jumps in. I think, I think he's supposed to kind of fill in that role. Um, yeah, yeah, and and you know, and I like how you know the ruthless and relentless character is not completely lacking of strategy and tactics, right? Like you know, there's the there's the part in the tournament arc where he goes up there and he says, "I just want to let you all know, I'm gonna win" or whatever, yeah, and yeah. everybody freaks out. And I think Todoroki is the one. He's like, "No, he he did that to put everybody off kilter, you know, and to rile them up." But he is completely con like that was a tactical that was a tactical strategic move that wasn't like a move of arrogance or something like that. Um, and he's constantly doing stuff like this, right? Uh, and I think that that's great. Uh, but he is also still very naturally the reason I like him is he's that like Vegeta character who is typically more interesting than you know Deku slash Goku or whatever um, because he has more baggage uh, to kind of like work through and these kinds of flaws he just you know there's a, I, I am i'm always sort of skeptical about characters like uh like deku and like goku because they are so sort of you know like they are so sort of central and they are so sort of powerful um that i don't know i it, so that yeah so i like i like bakugo a lot i think bakugo is is the best I, I do like I do like the kind of dynamic that they set up uh, during their. I, that's why I really wanted you to watch episode sixty one. Is I think their fight um, there, which they clearly blew the entire budget for the season on that fight scene because it's better animated than anything else in this in in this in the uh, season. Um, yeah. Um, is I th like the kind of like dynamic. Th I I think I agree with you that Deku's kind of like boring on his own, but I think the dyna his dynamic with Bakugo I think elevates the both of them. Um, and kind of like the way it's like, you know, they are, even though they're not like the class representatives, they're not like the best in the class. They are kind of like a lot of the driving force behind how the class behaves because they, because they're both exceptional in their own ways. And, and, you know, they're, they're always pushing everybody else. Um, I think that's a really neat theme to kind of explore. Um, I actually, so to be honest with you, I think that the genius of the most recent season and the most couple of recent couple of episodes is in recognizing that Deku and Bakugo have a lot to learn from one another sort of equally, right? Um, that And that it kind of deconstructs this idea that all you need to do to be a hero is be selfless and want to save people. And I like that All Might doesn't let Deku off the hook for losing, 
you know, where where he's like, no, it is important to win, and Bakugo's kind of sort of uh, completely dogmatic allegiance to ambition and victory is another important part of being a hero. You can't save people if you lose against the villains kind of thing. Right, right. Um, and I like that that wasn't just assumed. This is actually something that I might otherwise criticize about, uh, like, you know, Western superhero archetypes where the... The where like Superman never has a conversation with Supergirl or, or whoever about how you know it's important to beat the heroes or to beat the villains. It's kind of just a a foregone conclusion, right? And so it is always sort of about like saving people. That's kind of like the only axis on on which this stuff gets decide. But I, decided. But I like that there was there was kind of equal focus on either side of that. It's like these these are two people that are sort of yin and yang and they need to come together and learn from one another in order to become the next all might if if you know yeah, yeah. if that is indeed what they're looking to do sort of thing um I, I will say i did turn a corner on bakugo when the fucking uh the meatball character from the from uh was it shinketsu the, the the other school who was like you're all this is meant to weed people out and I'm going to weed you out weed out you you all out because you're all inferior and then like Bakugo's just like fuck you like <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah except he, he yeah. had he had a really great line for it he what was it it's like he's like too blind to see talent he, it, it was a really great line that I am I'm sad I can't remember but he he expressed it really cleverly um that, that, yeah, I like that. I like that Bakugo got kidnapped by the villains, and then the villains were like, "Come join our team." And Bakugo was like, "No, you yeah. fucking losers!" <laughs> you know, like yeah. I was, I was pretty sure that was was going to happen in a certain sense. I just because there was a long history of Bakugo being a deconstruction right, right, right. trope, and obviously the trope would have been that Bakugo joins the bad guys. Uh, apparently, Sasuke did this. Yeah, in, yeah, in Naruto, Naruto. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I loved, I loved that, that moment and that piece of it. But I definitely do think that All Might should have died uh, in the fight against All for One. I think it would have heightened all of this drama. And I sort of like the idea that Bakugo and Deku self-actualize rather than are taught by All Might. And I also think that All Might dying weighs heavier on Bakugo than just All Might being forced into retirement by saving him because that's the baggage he's carrying in episode 61 with deku is you know this failure that he feels because it was his capture that led to all might having to retire from superhero superheroics um and so a version of things where instead of that all might is dead and he got his hero killed right that i think is 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 better and more dramatic yeah i i, I think I think the issue there is that, like, I don't know. I feel I feel like one that might be actually be a, a big cultural touchstone point, right? Like that, like that they want to keep him around. First of all, I think there also might be like kind of like straight up like a merchandising aspect to that, right? Like yeah, all yeah, might yeah. is like super popular and killing actually killing him off um, might be a problem. Two, like I don't know. I, I feel like like that learning from all might is a thing that they really want to push because they didn't get to explore that too far. I, I get what you're saying. And I, I think it definitely would be appropriate. I think what they're angling for though, eventually is like uh, all for one, um, like tricks him in some way. Um, and like, get, you know, and, and 
you know, brings about like that's the actual like that that's when he dies is like under some other circumstance. I don't know, but I, I definitely see your point, and I definitely respect that opinion. I just I don't know. I I, I don't know if it would have made it that much better because he's effectively out of commission as as a superhero. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know what the plans are. I obviously yeah. haven't read the manga. I haven't either. Like that. And I don't, you know, keep track of that. I know a friend of the cast, Warren, does. And so maybe he has some kind of, like, deeper insight to it. Um, and in a certain sense, I think it's actually kind of in keeping with sort of the deconstructionist aspects of the of the show. Like, you know, in... Mo so Jeff through Mother's Basement had a whole thing about the fight between All One, or All for One and All Might. And in it, he described the fight as a Vader versus Obi-Wan moment. And it will, so in Vader versus Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan dies, yeah, you yeah. know? Um, and so hypothetically, All Might just being depowered um, is uh, is also its own kind of, like, deconstruction of that kind of, uh, uh, of that kind of thing. So, you know. But I don't know. I, I, I was really hoping he would die. I was really hoping that he'd get, that he'd get killed because I like, uh... I think that would have really, like, ratcheted up the drama. The The tough thing would have been Kobe going into just sort of like, oh, the normal school year, and we're moving yeah, yeah, the dorms yeah. right off of that kind of thing. In a certain sense, I almost sort of feel like the show has uh, gets a little bit of whiplash from that because a lot of the times it will come off of these, like, incredibly dramatic, hyper, hyper, you know, sort of soap opera uh, episodes and come into very sort of... Um, you know, slice of life anime episodes. Oh, who has the best room? Let's have a competition or whatever. Like, how the fuck do you do that when, you know, All Might just lost, like, all of his power by, you know, punching All for One super hard in the face with United States of Smash, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> you I, I, know. I, I think part of that, too, though, is that, like, we were watching these in relatively quick succession and like i feel like that happens at like the season break where like you've got time you've got like real world time to cool down from that um and yeah so coming, that's true that's true um and coming um, i also think that uh you know i also think that the show does a pretty good job of sort of like balancing these two aspects i think that that's why it spends a lot of time doing the sports you know the tournament arc in the sports arena even though i think the the exam. are bad uh like yeah like that in the licensing exam like you know the the stakes of those situations situations are pretty low and the stakes of the show itself are pretty low generally and then they like kind of ratchet up all of a sudden kind of out of nowhere right it ratchets up with stain it ratchets up with uh the first attack with like the no moves it ratchets up with all for one um and so you know the the show is overall pretty good about that balancing act between we're just a bunch of normal teenagers like you in your high school and you know the the Shakespearean melodrama of uh, all for one defeating the symbol of peace or whatever. Yeah, I, I do want to touch on a couple more things before we, we get out we get out of uh, our main section. One um, on the kind of like normal teenager things, I want to say that I think that the romance is bad, um, and I I don't know I don't know how they can make it better. The romance for... between Uraraka and 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 Deku, Deku presumably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the most interesting part of it is like the villain, whatever the villain, the, the blood sucking villain's name is her being yeah, like she's posing as Cammy or like her just being creepy. Right. Like her oh, being yeah. like, like, you know, like I, like I'm a creepy stalker of Deku um, and this like causing weird feelings in Uraraka. Um, 
uh, I think that's the most interesting aspect of it, but I, I still don't think it's good. Um, mm -hmm. um, and the other thing I did want to talk about, maybe a little bit more length, is that I appreciate the fact that, like, um, like usually you get, like, one set of villains, either villains that are, like, totally despicable or Dylan's villains that are, like, like have, like, a point, and they've got both sets of those in the show, and the fact that, like, the, the, the evil ones are, like, trying to take advantage of, of like, the legacy of Stain, um, in, in, to, to recruit more, more uh, like, you know, like, more quote-unquote honorable villains, I think is great. Um, I really, I really like that aspect, because, like, you know, like, Stain has kind of a point. Um, maybe he's not justified in the way he goes about it. Um, and, like, uh, it's, like, the turtle guy and a couple of the other heroes are like, yes, this is, this is the way that things should be. And then, like, the, the, the asshole, uh, I can't remember the, the One for All's Apprentice's name, but he's like, yeah, we can we can leverage this to get more people into our organization. I I, I think that's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, I don't know. I am a little bit mixed on that. I do wish that there was more kind of complexity with the villains, um, in terms of like just goals in in what they're actually like working towards. Um, because it just kind of feels like everybody who just wants to kill All Might um, in the League of Villains. And I'm like, you know, man, aren't there more interest? Like, like, they have personality, right? But I feel like they're all kind of unified by something that is functionally pretty weak, I guess I would say. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that, again, I think that's part of the point, right? Like, there are some people who are just, yeah. like, assholes. There's some people who have, like, a point to make about the society they're in. Um, and I also... Yeah, I sort of think that I, I sort of think that this is more just kind of you need to establish what the trope is before you deconstruct it. You know, like the villains, villains in typical sort of shonen um, anime and in typical um, superhero, uh, like Japanese superhero stuff, don't look a lot like this. And so maybe you just kind of need to ask. Well, actually, I guess superhero and shonen anime actually do look like it. Maybe that's what it is. It just kind of inherits the like. Well, I'm a villain because I want to defeat the hero. And so, you know, the thing that defines Cell or that defines Frieza or that defines Majin Buu really is just that they want to kill. They just want to kill Goku. Like, they are very fairly uncomplex um, in what they're, like, looking to do and looking to accomplish. Stain is very nice. I, I agree with you. I think Stain is great. I'm, I'm talking specifically about, like, the League of Villains kind of collective. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they, they have their... Their points, like I'm pretty sure Shigaraki's gonna be a version of like that kid, um, mm -hmm. from the training camp. By the way, I bawled my eyes out at the end of that, uh, of of the where Deku saves the kid. Um, I don't know. I, I cry a lot at this show. I, I really like it. Um, oh really? Yeah. Um, but uh, I think <laughs> I think a big part of it, um, too, is that like. Or, like, we, we also saw, like, twice, right? Like, he's obviously got some stuff going, some deeper stuff going on, right? Like, he's, like, like broken in a way that, like, he, he can't function in the society as a normal person, but the villains are willing to accept him as he is. Like, that's the point he makes. And even though it's not really yeah. backed up so much, I feel like that's going to be the focus of this fourth season. Um, I, I'm actually really interested also by, uh, like, I, I actually like sort of business-type um villains or whatever so I'm, I'm very interested by this guy who like runs the black market like the one guy without the one tooth or whatever yeah yeah um and he's not like a villain but like he kind of supplies the other sorts of villains um and you get the sense that they're like for for all that there are heroes right 
and for all the kind of structure and infrastructure that uh, support a kind of hero society, that there is kind of like a dark mirror opposite to that um, for sort of villains. You get a little bit of that with like Twice's thing in, at the end of the at the end of the third season, um, and I'm very interested to see kind of what that that looks like um, because. I am a big fan of watching villains team up. Um, like, I think the kind of natural trope is that villains can never team up because they're all too egotistical to ever work with one another. Um, and I find that a lot less interesting than a version of things where Lex Luthor, Vandal Savage, and the Joker all, you know, get on the same, you know, get on the same team. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm down with that. Um, yeah. Uh... Man, I, I don't know. I, I really like this show. I, I know that a lot of the emotional manipulation in the show is kind of, like, obvious. But, you know, sometimes I like being emotionally manipulated. And I definitely like being emotionally, emotionally manipulated by this show. Um, it gives me nice nice feels in my tummy. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I get, I get into the very hype aspects of the show. Like, basically any time Bakugo is on screen, I get super hype. Bakugo versus Tor- Todoroki was awesome and... You know, oh, uh, <laughs> I, I love that fight specifically because like Baku gets robbed of a true win. I love that so much. It's like no one's happy, everything's terrible, but everybody's yeah. cheering on screen anyway. <laughs> oh. um, uh, even Bakugo and Uraraka, like, oh god, man, I I got so into that fight just because you know. It, it is such a reversal. I was so sure Uraraka was going to win that because this was kind of before I really saw. You know, like, because I didn't like the first season, I was kind of, like, coming off of that in a lot of ways. And so I was like, oh, and this is where Uraraka beats Bakugo and he gets humble. It's like, no. Like, Uraraka is really clever and she thinks up this, like, really awesome strategy and Bakugo is just like, no, fuck you. I'm more powerful than you and I'm going to kick your ass every day of the week. Yeah. Well, I was and, like, yes, get him, Bakugo. And, do it. Like, and you <laughs> still get good character development out of Uraraka, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. Um, who like the most interesting part of her character is, is is you know her motivation is like money, but in a way that isn't terrible. Um, uh, you know, there, there, there's a lot of that, like a lot of like heroes that you don't expect to self actualize, self actualizing, like like fucking naval laser guy, like he's the most throwaway. Oh fucking my god! Hero. What? Yeah, I mean, I, I I guess I didn't really like the exam part a ton. Um. I liked a little bit of it, like, you know, with Todoroki and whatever, but uh, but I thought that in general it was a lot less interesting, I guess, than some of the other pieces of, like, the sports festival or whatever, and, uh, but yeah, when the, when the naval laser guy, like, uses his beam to, like, you know, get, get Ida and all of the, all of the people who hadn't succeeded in the, um, in the exam yet together, I was just like, wow, that's actually kind of awesome, yeah. you know? <laughs> Um, Even like Kirishima, like I like I love the moment where Bakugo, where Deku specifically brings Kirishima because he knows that Bakugo will only come for a friend. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and uh, and like so those kinds of moments where you know the the smaller characters get kind of uh, or like when Yaoyurozu outsmarts the caffeine lady or whatever. I love that part. I think Yaoyurozu is great though. I also like I said I don't like the 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 fan servicey aspect of I think it's so lame I don't know <laughs> they it, I, I probably wouldn't think it was so lame if they didn't highlight it so yeah, much yeah yeah I get that um I don't know <laughs> um uh, and like like uh like the 
the end of any voice guy, like, um, like he even gets his like moment to shine. And like, it's like, what, you know, like, what is your power actually? Oh, I can talk to animals. Well, do it. Then. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I think, I don't know. I, I do appreciate they, they give everybody their moment to shine. I, the, 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 the highlight of the, uh, of the licensing exam to me wasn't necessarily the actual action. It was like the introduction of all these cool new characters from different schools. Right. Like I am in love with, uh, what's, what's his name? The, uh, the, the the guy with the uh, the the wind powers. Um, oh, everybody loves him apparently. See, this oh, is, is actually really? kind of one of the interesting parts. Yeah, because so my character was Bakugo, and I knew and I like loved Bakugo from the first minute. But I also have a lot of friends at my work who watch the show, and I was talking with them about it, and they also all love Bakugo. Everybody apparently everybody at work thinks Bakugo and Todoroki are the best, and Deku's just kind of like eh, whatever, you know. Um, and so I was very I was very interested when um, uh, when I told you that Bakugo was the best, and you were like, no, Bakugo's a fucking asshole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because that was different than, uh, th that was like the different than all of the feedback that I had gotten. Sure. But the other thing was that everybody was like, is that everybody also really likes this wind guy, and that he is now best boy. Uh, yeah, Yurashi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he, I mean, I think, he, I think he hits a lot of like the right pieces, right? Like, he's goofy. He's not around enough, so we can always kind of like play into a shtick without having to like worry about it too much. Um, he also gets his, his kind of self-actualization moment very, very quickly. It's within like the five episodes of the licensing exam. Um, and he's like the only one from that school that really gets that, um, all that kind of stuff. Uh, uh you know, cause he has his, his kind of like conflict with Todoroki like immediately. Um, I also really, I think part of it too is like that, is, like, that school's aesthetic I think is really great. Like I love like the hats and jackets. Like it's just like so much of what I love. Like I, I am so in love with that. And, I, and he's like the best character from that school. Um, yeah. uh, the exception of maybe extendo hair, uh, which I think would be, which I like, it's so like talk about like a goofy quirk that like gets applied creatively. I love extendo hair for that. Like, um, but yeah, uh, we've, we've gone on like an hour and 10 minutes about this. Did you have, did you have any closing thoughts about, uh, my closing thoughts? Do I have any closing thoughts? I think, that this is a good show. Uh, I am glad that I've seen it, uh, even if I think it's a little bit basic sometimes. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm really interested to see. I, I think the intersection between shonen anime and kind of um, westernized superheroes is really interesting. And I think that that's the thing that ultimately like makes me like this show a lot is... Um, looking at looking at western animation like looking at the way these two things kind of interact and um and pulling them apart and seeing how they work i think that that's like really cool and really interesting yeah no fair enough um you know i really like the show too i really like the subversion elements and i like uh i like the characters a lot and i like i like the emotional moments so you know uh it's a it's it's, it's a great show uh, but uh, uh other than that how was how was your week how was my week? Uh, oh, I did have something to talk about this week, but now I can't fucking remember what it was. Um, like, I watched something, and I was like, oh, I need to tell Mango all about this thing that I watched, but now I can't remember what it was. How was your week? I, what, 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 did, what have you been up to? What have you been watching? Uh, a couple different things. Um, the thing I watched I wanted to talk about was I watched Mandy um, with uh, Nicolas Cage, which is a weird movie. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that it's super weird. I haven't gotten the movies in a while, actually. Um, I, I watch this streaming cause it's available streaming. Um, and, uh, it's like, it's like a two hours of an eighties fever dream. And like, I can't, I don't know if I want to say it's good, 
but it's definitely interesting, right? Like it's a revenge, uh, it's a revenge kind of flick, right? Like, like, uh, you know, like somebody, you know, uh, a thing happens and like that, it's like played that it's like a revenge movie, but at the two hour movie, the moment that necessitates the revenge comes at the one hour mark. And he really starts his revenge at the one fifteen mark. It's like, it's a lot. It's a very slow paced movie. Um, which is great for kind of like seeping in the aesthetic. But I was like, I like, I kept like looking up and being like, this is still happening. And there's like, there's only like 45 minutes. When is he actually going to get to like the stuff that they put in the trailer or whatever. Right. And it works, but it's, it's very different. Um, I'm also, uh, I'm also playing a, uh, an open world, uh, game with, uh, towers that you need to, uh, very quickly it came to open world game with, with, with towers that you need to explore areas. Um, uh, can, can you guess which one I'm talking about? Uh, you, uh, with towers and you need to explore areas? Like, so that's a Ubisoft thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm basically, just, the joke is that I'm describing, like, every open world game. Um, no, I know. I'm just trying to, th yeah, I'm just trying to think what open world game would you have been playing? Is it like an older game? It, so it's, it's about a year old at this point. That should give you mostly away. It's about a year old at this point. Maybe a year and a half at this point. Oh, wait. Is it Shadow of, it's Shadow of Mordor? Shadow of, of War? No, it's not Shadow of War, which I did beat. Does, it, does that have... Does that, I remember the first one it has towers. It does have towers. I'm, I'm talking about okay, Breath of okay, the Wild. Okay. Um, oh, wow. I didn't actually know Breath of the Wild had towers. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> have you ever played Breath of the Wild before? Uh, Sorry? Have you ever played Breath of the Wild before? Um, I played it for like 15 minutes on a plane and I uh, had to stop because it was giving me plane sickness for some reason. I think there was something else there, but uh, um, it's, I put in like uh, a handful of hours into it and it's it's fun. Um, it's got like the same kind of uh, like with with we were talking about uh, or I was talking about how like there's a secret behind every corner in Super Mario Odyssey. It's got kind of those same kind of things, but I don't think it fits as well into Zelda as it does into Mario. Um and I don't think the game is perfect, but I do think it solves a problem that I have with these types of games, which is because there's no skill tree, you don't kind of like hit this point where you power up all the way and everything suddenly becomes like super easy. Um, um, I like I and I think that honestly the the weapons breaking is a big part of that, and even though it's kind of annoying, it's really necessary to keep the flow of that game right. Um. Which is, is, it's like a fascinating design problem, right? Like it's, it's, like I said, it's, it's not, it's, it's not a super great experience, but it's, it's, uh, it's an experience, you know, like it's, it, it makes, it, the game is better for it, even if like, you know, it's annoying kind of in, in the, in kind of the implementation, it's, it's, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just really fascinated by, by, by how that, um, plays itself out. Um, I've also been playing a lot of Crusader Kings too with, uh, with with some of with some of uh, friends of the cast, uh, just you know, really, really. Yeah, I've I've, I've seen that. How's that going? Uh, it's it's going pretty well. I I really love that. Like, I love that. Like, you can like just get like screwed by like random stuff, right? Like, it's it's obviously not a game you play just to win. Like, you play the game to experience the whole thing, kind of like feel the story that you're telling with yourself. Um, even though there's like you know there there are objectives to push towards, but like just like, um. Even when things go poorly, it's still like st it's still fun. I don't know. I I just I'm 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 really embracing embracing that aspect of it. Cool. Fair enough. Uh, I do want to bring up a piece of um, uh, feedback that we got from friend of the cast John 
tweeted at us in a conversation about our uh, uh, our episode last week. He said, also, y'all kind of touch on people only play what they're comfortable with. It'd be interesting to have an app where you examine if y'all personally have walled off a particular genre or play style, uh, why you have these walls and if they should still be there. Um, and at the risk of cannibalizing that future episode topic, I do want to hit on that piece of feedback. What did you What did you think about that? Do you have anything? Did you have like an immediate answer to oh, that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. uh, it's real time strategy games. Um, I'm, Interesting. I'm I'm really not good at at, at uh, multitasking, um, and you really need to be able to multitask in order to do well at R- at RTSs. Right, um, right. So you're working on your economy at the same time you're fighting a battle. Yeah, and like I'm fine yeah. with doing those things if I can do them kind of in tandem, like in a turn based game, or like you know, Crusader Kings. I guess is technically real time strategy. Um, but it's also a lot less twitch. Yeah, know? yeah, it's it's when, slower. When you're trying to, you don't. There's nothing to micro in, yeah. in Crusader Kings. And, and not only that, but like Crusader Kings is is also not about like. It's not a competitive multiplayer game. Like you know, the, the same things that make the game great in kind of its looseness and it's, it's you know it's like lack of fairness, um, in a lot of ways and like it's, um, you know the the fact that you're experiencing it rather than necessarily trying to win it all the time, lets you if you're not doing great at some of the other like at some of the aspects of the game it doesn't ruin the experience um uh like i could imagine a game that is slow paced that still you still need to be like hitting the marks right on time or you're behind or whatever um and i think that that kind of can happen in like a civ game right where like um where like you miss something by a couple of turns uh, because you're not paying super close attention to everything that you're doing um and i think that's uh i don't know if i want to call it a flaw um maybe i will um uh, but it, like, I'm okay with that in Civ because I have all the time in the world to figure out if that's going to going to happen. Um, same thing in like, uh, uh, what's the name of the game? XCOM. Um, stuff like that. Um, and so like th- that combined with just like the real time element just always gets me. And like, the fact that it's I'm not fast enough. Um, combined with like, not not only am I not good at multitasking, I kind of hate it. So like, it it, it just it, it it really doesn't work for me. Um, I don't know, and I I feel like that's something relatively indelible about me that me like I I don't know if I'll ever get there. I, it's not like I can't appreciate them, but like I, it's just not a genre for me. What what about you, buddy? You have anything that comes to mind? My my initial answer was something like JRPGs, but I don't know how much that actually holds up to scrutiny. Um, like I just haven't played a lot of JRPGs, and I kind of bet I would like them. I actually got the most, whatever the most recent Dragon Quest is. Eleven, um, the new yeah, one that Dragon everybody's Quest. on 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 about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was I was thinking about it because, you know, uh, like Shadow of uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider came out, and I just got both of those together. Um, but I think what it actually sort of might be would be like a you know a kind of competitive shooter a la modern warfare you know any whatever the most recent call of duty just kind of a deathmatch shooter like that um i have never gotten into those kinds of games and i sort of wonder what they would look like or what it would look like if i did Uh, my other big one is sort of like platformers um kind of on the um on the in the vein of like super meat boy and stuff like that i i don't have the same i i never played the like the nes version of like platformers my first console was a playstation 2 uh and i feel like the first big console generation that i was a part of was the n64 era where you know 2d platformers had really gone by the wayside so i feel like all of these retro platformers that have come out you know like your hollow knights your shovel knights your um 
Super Meat Boys, any of those kinds of ones are platformers that I am not, I just don't have the muscle memory for because I didn't build it when I was a kid. Uh, just like replaying Super Mario Bros. 3 over and over or whatever the, you know, like whatever the game is, um, sort of. And so I, I, I feel like those are the genres that I typically don't like interact with um, in the same sort of way that I interact with like strategy games or conventional RPGs, like Western RPGs or stuff like that. Are you are you are you a fan of Metroidvanias? Uh, I am okay. I think with Metroidvanias, because so I so I never um, I think that there were more of those kinds of games, especially for like the PlayStation Two that people want to give credit for. And I remember playing a lot of those kinds of like you know like licensed knockoff sort of like the Lion King game or something like. I don't, that. I don't think Lion King really counts as a Metroidvania. Uh, maybe not the, the Lion King specifically, but a sort of, you know, a 2D actioner kind of game like that. Yeah. Um, uh, it's curious because, like, I, you know, I feel like Hollow Knight's pretty Metroidvania. Uh, like, very Metroidvania, actually. Um, and, you know, you mentioned, you mentioned the same breath as these platformers. And, well, you know, they, they obviously share a lot of the same DNA. I, I was curious if you had, like, if, if you had... Have you ever, like... Have you ever, like, dealt into, like, any of, like, the more classic examples like Symphony of the Night or... Uh, no, yeah, see, I haven't done Symphony of the Night. The first Metroid game I played, I played all of the Metroid Prime games. Which right, I but, they, think but are they're amazing. They're they're, but they're uh, yeah, they're three D. Yeah. Um, interesting. Um, yeah. Do you? It's kind of in general. Do you play a lot of two D games at all? I guess not really. Uh, <laughs> to be honest with you, um, yeah, I guess not really. I guess I just kind of don't. Yeah, I, like if I look at. Uh, all of the games. I mean, uh, so... No, yeah, I guess I just really don't... Eh? Well, the like, there's things. isometric games in here. Like, I was thinking, I'm looking at Pillars of Eternity, sure, sure. Shadowrun. Factorio. Um, you know, yeah, Factorio, Battletech, uh, or, I'm sorry, uh, Banner Saga. But these are all isometric. I guess Darkest Dungeon is a 2D game, technically, yeah, but true. that really does not count. In a, in a real sense. I'm just looking at all of the games that I have installed on my PC right now. Um, so. so you did mention um, Banner Saga. I picked up Ash of God's Redemption and played that for about an hour, uh, which is basically Banner Saga, but, like, by a different dev and, like, by a Russian dev that, like, can't, like, got a bad English translator because the dialogue in the game is fucking terrible. Um, and I can't... Oh, is it? Yeah. Um... Uh, but it like it looks just like Banner Saga, just so much to the fact that I, I thought like, what oh my god, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. My wow. favorite part is like one of the one of the quotes they have on like the Steam page is like a quote from the Banner Saga guys. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Banner Saga. The Banner yeah. Saga was my favorite game in what 2014, 2015. Or something have you played like that? Uh, two and three? I have not played two and three, uh, though I've purchased both of them. Uh, what I what I always want to do is I want to play through one again because it's a, it's a very deep universe with all of the all of this lore, and I always want to play through Banner Saga one before I go through and continue uh, with Banner Saga two and three, and then I like do my playthrough of one, and I typically don't finish it, and I'm like, well, that's enough Banner Saga for me. I've done this literally four times. Yeah, okay. <laughs> where you know where I have. Um, uh, where I've kind of like restarted uh, the Banner Saga to, to, to try it over again. So, yeah. By the way, the thing that I have been watching that I wanted to tell you about 
but I couldn't remember what it was, was fucking Young Justice because I'm an idiot. <laughs> Which I mentioned in the cast. I basically watched the first season of Young Justice over again um, once I finished uh, Boku no Hero and I was waiting for episode 63 to come out. I was just like, ah, I just need to watch Young Justice. That show is so good. And that show is so good. I'm sure we will we will have to talk about it when the new season comes out in the beginning of next year. Um, great, the 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 producers behind it are very kind of like famous. Um, it's a guy named Greg Weissman and Brandon Vietti. And Greg Weissman is um, uh, actually he's like been around for a long time. He did the Gargoyles show. Did you ever watch that show with Keith David and like Goliath? Um, I'm aware of it. I never really watched it, I don't think. Okay, yeah, he, you know, he did that. He did, the Spectacular Spider-Man is what, like, introduced me to him in, like, a, in, like, a real way, which is an insanely good show that only ended because of, like, weird contract dispute, you know, like, bullshit. Uh, he actually did some World of Warcraft stuff, interestingly enough. They hired him on just as, like, a, a writer for, like, a children's series of novels, um, that are apparently very good and well-received. I also think he did Star Wars Rebels, um... Uh, I just want to ch check that really quickly because uh, it is the yeah yeah he was he was a uh, part of the team uh, though a smaller part of the team it looks like he was just an executive producer he wasn't really uh, it's this apparently is the is the baby the brainchild of Simon Kinberg who is the guy that basically does the X Men um, the X Men universe. Uh, like the film universe. He's actually directing the new one that's coming out, Dark Phoenix. Yeah, okay, Greg Weissman left the show after season one. Okay. Yeah. But he's 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 the best. He's really good and he and he makes good and he makes good shows. And that's that's it. Yep, that's all. Just wanted to let you know. <laughs> yeah, I might have to, I might have to give it a watch at some point. I don't know. I'm I'm I don't watch a ton of T V shows, but you know, uh, I, I should give it a look. Uh, we will definitely, I, we will absolutely get into it, I'm sure, um, later down the line when... Uh, when the new season comes out? Yeah, when the new season comes out. Because, I, I mean, Young Justice is interesting because it's one of those shows that was not super popular at its like time, but has like an insane internet following. Um, and people have been trying to bring it back. Like, the first idea was to bring it back through Netflix, because uh, Netflix was getting tons of watches on it or whatever. And so, like, Young Justice fans were basically just marathoning the show over and over and over again to show Netflix that they, like, loved it and everything. Um, and then Netflix actually did commission it, but then, like, Warner Brothers was like, you know what, we think that this is good enough to go in our new DC Universe uh, like subscription oh. service, uh, and so they pulled it to be a to to be a part of that well, um, al alongside of the live action Teen Titans show. Yeah, alongside of the fuck Batman show, which I'm so excited for. <laughs> you know, I bought the I bought the DC Universe thing because uh, so the interesting thing about the dc universe package is that it's not just that um it also includes kind of like the marvel unlimited sort of comics okay um, it's not the whole breadth of of you know comics there's a lot of holes in that collection like my personal collection has way more comics in it than uh than the dc universe um stuff does but 
uh, it has a lot of interesting stuff and it has a lot of like really good stuff. And the thing that made me that they really sold me on it um, was actually the the 75 issues written by Peter David of Aquaman where his hand gets cut off and he gets the harpoon or whatever. Um, I was very happy that they that they had like that whole run because I think it's super good. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just kind of am wary of that service because like I I'm not excited for that for that Teen Titans thing. It looks I, I am not I, I definitely don't want to uh I definitely don't want to talk it up. It 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 is even with comics and like movies, because it has like you know, it has a bunch of the you know, like the Dark Knight trilogy. Um it has all these animated movies. Actually the D C animated movies are very good. Um, kind of as a rule it has the original you know like teen titans and batman brave and the bold and all this other sort of stuff um but uh but it just has way less content than um something like netflix or uh you know hulu or whatever else yeah makes sense um yeah um what else can we can we talk about i i have not done a ton because i've been kind of uh I'm without my primary PC at the moment, so uh, it's a little bit more difficult to 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 what's it called to uh, to share to, to, to oh because you've been on your laptop yeah yeah so there's like less yeah, games yeah, yeah, I can play cool. less uh, I guess I can watch a lot of the same stuff but I've just been busy with other things there have uh, to be what what are some of the controversies that are oh I, so this is an interesting one how do you feel about the Telltale news that Telltale is basically trying to finish out the game um and for, to, for to, walking to, dead yeah for the walking dead because uh, yeah, they're, they're gonna finish it with another developer or something like that yeah i mean it sucks for the people that they hired that they then fired right like that yeah because yeah, that is the the overwhelming response i have seen which is everybody's like what the fuck are you doing pay severance yeah Don't pay another developer to like release episodes three and four you idiots um <laughs> yeah i mean I don't know. I also don't like something that, that has never been clear to me is like if the those employees were like entitled like entitled to the wages that they weren't paid absolutely, but entitled to severance. I'm not sure that they ever like ha, like severance isn't like a universal thing. I don't mm-hmm. know. I, I feel I feel like that's like a like a thing that got, that's fair. I I just kind of assume that it's like in their contracts or something like that. But uh... um, Cal- California's right to work, right? So like. Um, you can just like f- you can quit or be fired for any reason at any time as long as it's not like on face for like a protected reason. Um, so I assume that they weren't due severance. Um, uh, but you know maybe maybe they were. I'm not. I don't know either way, so I don't want to say definitively either way. And it doesn't yeah, make yeah, it yeah. suck any less. Um, and like I still think that the thing is like finishing it with another developer is, is still not great, right? Like. I don't know. I guess at the end of the day, if like the choice is, if for whatever reason the choice has to be either like another studio or not coming out at all, I guess I'm, I'm happier that it's coming out than it's not. But like, I would still feel shitty. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, do you have any strong opinions about it? Uh, you know, I think it is. I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting because I don't think people would have cared if the food is if the studio hadn't folded. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think this will, in a weird way, end up bolstering the sales of whatever you know, like episode three when it actually you know, or sorry, whatever the they call it, series three, um, season three, whenever it does come out. 
Um, and I guess I like that it is giving the customers the service that they paid for. Uh, like we kind of talked yeah, about, yeah. like you know, if you pre-order, if you pre-order the game, I was a little bit on like the buyer beware sort of side of things, right? Um, but I think that it is um, hypothetically good just because it's getting those those kinds of folks the product that they paid for. Um, yeah. But yeah, the more the more we learn and we hear about this Telltale situation, though, like the ickier it sounds. Like the one the the person who moved his whole family overseas the week before the company goes under and immediately loses his like work visa or whatever like boy is that shitty yeah no i i absolutely agree with that like there's a lot of, there's a lot of little injustices in there um and they're they're all terrible um yeah yeah i don't know um i don't know if i have anything more to say about that um uh, what about you uh, no, that's yeah. I guess that's. Uh, I don't know if I have any more to say say about anything else. So are we gonna end? A, are we gonna end a, a podcast on time without going like ten minutes over? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, Fair enough. If you'd like to reach us, you can reach us at uh, podcast at subversiveplaygames dot com or subversiveplaygames at gmail dot com. Email us with any questions or thoughts you have about Boku no Hero Academia or any of the other things we talked about in this episode. You can follow us at twitch.tv slash subversiveplaygames. Even though we haven't been doing a lot. Um, we do any any thoughts on when we might be able to do uh, the end of Hell's Rebels? Uh, I definitely knew I couldn't do it this weekend. Uh, I'm probably gonna see and start talking to uh, uh, folks about Hell's Rebels to see if we can set something up for next weekend or the weekend after. Okay, awesome. So hopefully we'll we'll be there soon. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. You can uh, f- find us on SoundCloud. Um, links will be in the description. Obviously, if you're watching this, you'll probably be watching or listening to this. You'll probably listen to on SoundCloud. Um, if you're listening directly through the web, uh, otherwise, uh, leave a review on iTunes for us, please. We would like that very much. Um, I think that's everything I wanted to promote. Buddy, do you have anything else that you wanted to promote? I have nothing else I'm looking to promote. In that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.